Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. And I want to finish up this series today entitled Mark. This will be our fourth uh, the fourth message coming from this series. I want to remind you what we've talked about, though, the last several weeks. The first week, we talked about the story of uh, Judah and Tamar. Um, if you hadn't read that, you need to read that story. But what we mined out of that was this thought, that your dysfunction, you just heard it, your dysfunction doesn't disqualify you from the destiny that God has placed on your life. What I'm saying about that is, and you're looking at me funny today, are you messed up today? Are you scared? Are you upset? Are you worried what time I'm going to get done? I promise you I'll get done when I'm finished, amen? I will. I'll be done just as soon as I get finished. But where you've been and what you've been through doesn't disqualify you from where you're going, from where God has called you to. Week two, we talked about... uh, if we are marked by God, if God has marked us, if he has called us, then we should live as those who have been called by God. Amen? Something ought to be different about how we live. Week three, we talked about not only are we marked by God, but hear me, we're marked by Satan. Satan knows that we've been marked by God, and he's going to do everything if he can't kill us, if he can't destroy us. He's going to do everything he can to distract us, to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. We've been marked by Satan. We understand that we are on his radar. The Bible says that he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Did you know you're not friends with Satan? Did you know your enemy is Satan? Did you know that he's seeking you? He, he, uh, Jesus come that, that you might have life, but Satan come to steal, to kill, and destroy you. That's what he came to do. You've been marked by the enemy. He's got his eye on you. But God who's living on the inside of you, is greater than, the, greater than he that lives in this world. We talked about that we know Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but there's another lion living on the inside of you. His name is Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. And then today, I want to talk about a limp. A limp. Did you know everybody's got a limp today? Did you know you came walking in here with a limp. What I love about this church, when I look at this church, I don't necessarily see people with names. I mean, I do, but I see stories. I see people who have been through something, and God has brought them out of something. They've, they've got a testimony, you see. They've, they've, they, they've been through some stuff. Uh, and now this is the miracle of restoration, the miracle of God, how he works. The very thing that they went through, the brokenness that they've experienced in their lives, God is now using them to heal other people in that same area. That's what I love about this place. God can use your brokenness. To help others. So I want to go ahead and say this. Get this out in the open. Everybody in here today has some level of brokenness. 
We don't have it all together. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the worst things we can do as a church is paint a picture like we do have it all together. Because what that does is make us look like hypocrites. You ever heard the, 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 the uh, you, know, you said this before you got saved. You said, I would, I'm never, some of y'all did, I'm never going to church. Why? Why wouldn't you go to church? Come to church with me. There ain't no way I'd go. Why? Because that place is full of, you ever said that before? Well, we don't help them out with that. We actually help their, that thought by pretending like we've got it all together and then we go outside of the church and we show everybody we don't have it all together. But we pretend like we speak it, oh, I, I'm doing good, I got it all together, I'm living my, and, and the fact is we don't. The fact is we are broken. The fact is we come up short. Is that true? I want you to look at it. Y'all going to make me plow today, I can tell. So we're going to look today at a story in Genesis chapter 32. It's a story of Jacob. Now, you may know this story, you may not, but I'm going to tell you just a little information about it. Jacob was a manipulative trickster. He was at the, by the, his name, Jacob, actually means trickster. He stole his birth, his, his, his father's birthright from his brother, Esau, uh, which means he got double the will, double the money, double the land, but Esau did because he was the firstborn. But Jacob tricked him into giving him the firstborn blessing. Jacob was conniving. And Jacob is scared now for his life because Esau, his brother, who had been tricked, is now wanting, Jacob thinks, to kill him. So Jacob is on the run. Jacob is left alone, the Bible says, in verse 24. And he gets jumped, y'all. Jumped by a man. A man started wrestling with him, the Bible says, until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he, will you, will you go there, Brother Michael? When the man saw that he could not defeat him, there you go, he struck Jacob's hip socket and they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then Jacob said to him, let me go. I'm tired of fighting you. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, wow, what? Okay, so they're fighting, okay? This Jacob has been jumped by God, y'all, basically. He has been jumped by God, and he's wrestling God. And God gets tired of fooling with him, seems like. And he breaks his hip dislocates his hip. And Jacob said, now listen, I've been wrestling you all night. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, I, 
wrapping your mind around all that, this is the old covenant. I can't do it. I know one person I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight God. But then again, looking back, God has wrestled me many times. Do you remember? I used to watch wrestling. It's real to me, y'all. No, it ain't. Yeah, it is. Okay, come on, Mark. Me and you going to wrestle. I got skills, so you better watch. <laughs> Listen, and the oh, I don't know if they do this anymore. I learned I was I was introduced to wrestling by my great grandmama, y'all. She watched it on Saturday nights at six o'clock. Guess who watched it with her? Me. Who guess who else watched Days of Our Lives at one o'clock every? Me, because <laughs> she watched that too. Anyway, I'm. I turned out normal despite all that. So, sometimes they'd go. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They wouldn't just fight. They'd go. No, 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 no. I ain't shocking you. I ain't shocking you. We're going to play mercy. Remember? Okay. And then they'd get going and they'd go and then they'd go. That'd be something, they'd punch them or something, you know, and then go on about their business. Now, I know that sounds silly, and it looks silly, but here's the thing. You know what that game's called? I don't know what y'all call it, but we called it mercy. You get down and you grab somebody, you say, oh, mercy, how? Oi, right? I don't want to play no more. You win. Mercy. That's how God done me. Now, see, I ain't, I ain't as good as some of y'all. I'm hard-headed, okay? Sometimes God has to wrestle with me. Before I got saved, God wrestled with me. Some of y'all right now, God is wrestling with you. And he's got you. You don't know it. You know you can feel something. And But while he's doing it, he's got your hands and he's squeezing and he's waiting for you to say, I need mercy. You see, God wrestles with us today, last week. Every time we get together, God is dealing with somebody. He's working in somebody's life. So this is, seems strange, but really is it strange? Could somebody say, I, I've had some times when I have been wrestling with God. Listen to what Jacob said. Jacob said, now I'm not going to let you go. We're wrestling. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. What was the blessing? Oh, this is amazing. Here's the blessing. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Next verse. Then God said, well, what is your name? And the man told him, or Jacob told him, my name is Jacob. And here's the blessing. God looked at Jacob and he said, next verse, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God. What am I getting at? What did I tell you Jacob's name meant? Trickster, conniving. But he said, I'm going to bless you. 
I'm going to change you. I'm going to change who you are. Oh, we, the best description we could get from that is, uh, or the best illustration we could get is a name change. See, now, people name people names now just because they sound good. But back then, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, when you were given a name, your name had significant meaning and purpose. So it was tied to who you are. Here's a wonderful blessing, the blessing that God wants to give you. He asked him, he said, what is your name? Oh, he knew his name, but he wanted him to tell him his name. He said, I am, remember Jacob's running, y'all. He's running from his brother. He has committed all kinds of acts of sin, and he's running from God, but God would not leave him alone. He was running from his brother. He was running from God, but God jumped him. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God jumped me. I'm glad when I was by myself, when I was doing my own thing, thinking I had it all figured out, thinking I was covering all my tracks, God came on the scene and he began to wrestle with me. But then he didn't leave me like he found me. I want to tell you, look, look, look what it says. It says he asked him his name. He said, what's your name? He said, my name's Jacob. He said, not anymore. He said, I call you Israel. Now, what does Israel mean? Israel means prince of God. So he said, you are a son of mine. You are my son. You are no longer a trickster. You are no longer conniving. You are no longer who you used to be. I'm making a, you a brand new person. And this is the blessing of God. This is, this is the only news I've got for you. I could get up here and I could tell you all kind of things. I'm sick of hearing about everybody's answer to every situation and every problem. Do you, do you have a Facebook I got one, and the other day I was scrolling through, and I got sick to my stomach. Everybody talking about everything, and everybody's got the solution to every problem, but everybody's in the same mess. Isn't it amazing how, isn't it amazing how people who are, are struggling in their marriage want to tell you how to have a successful marriage? Isn't it amazing how people who are messed up are trying to tell you how to do things the right way? Talking about everybody that makes any kind of decision. I just got sick of it. I just decided, you know, Know what I'm not gonna say nothing but then I said something <laughs> thanks for asking I said it'd be better off I quoted a proverb be better off for you to be silent and keep people guessing they may think you smart they may think you're not but just keep them guessing Better to keep them guessing than to open your mouth and prove to everybody that you are a fool. Do you hear me? Sometimes, sometimes, I don't even know why I'm talking about this now. Just say, Pastor, you're just meddling now. You're just, you're just talking. Yeah, I am talking. But I don't, listen, I'm hearing other people talk. But there's really only one thing that I got to say that is important. And it is the blessing of God. It's the miracle of salvation. That God can take you as a Jacob and make you an Israel. I'm not standing up here because I've always been good. I'm standing up here today because of the grace of God. Because he come to me and wrestled me at night one night and said, you are a Jacob, but by the time I leave here, you are going to be an Israel, a prince of God. Now, but there's something crazy that happened. 
After that, the Bible says that Jacob walked around the rest of his life for Israel with a limp. Blessed by God, but walking around with a limp. I want to tell you, before I got saved, I didn't think I had any limps. Before you got saved, you sin and all that, it, 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 you weren't worried about it. There's some people that'll tell you that when you get saved, you're not going to have any struggles. You ain't going to have any issues. If you believe God the right way, you'll never get sick. You'll never do this and you'll never do that. Let me serve notice to you. That is not the gospel, y'all. Thing, I didn't start. Now, this is not good PR. This is not a good thing for me to say when I'm wanting you to give your life to Christ, but I'd rather be honest. I didn't start struggling until I got saved. I said, I didn't start struggling until I got saved. Because something was woke up in me the moment I got saved. I realized that I'm born again. And I'm a spiritual being. And I want to please God. But I also come to realize there's a part of me that doesn't want to please God. There's a part of me that limps along. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm leading today, but I walked up here limping today. There is something in me. The Bible says, Paul said it. He says, every time I want to do right, he said, there's an opportunity for me to do bad. Evil is always present. Paul said this. Paul said, I, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. See, that sounds like to me somebody with a limp. See, I didn't have struggle until I got saved because I'd never met perfection. But when I met God, I met perfection. And I realized I have some issues in my life. I realized there was part of my life that don't measure up. Jacob, after he met God, the rest of his life, did he make it? He made it. But he limped. And I want to go ahead and tell you, you got a pastor today who is limps. He limps up to this pulpit. He limps on Mondays. He limps on Tuesdays. When he's ministering to you, he's ministering to you with a Limp. You may say, well, I don't want a pastor like that. Well, good luck finding one because the person who don't think they have a limp, that's their limp. It's kind of like people who say, I have people come to me and say, Pastor, they say, my family's crazy. And I'll say, oh, it's okay. Everybody's family's crazy. I said, everybody's got a crazy family. You know that, right? 
You're not the only one with a crazy family. Everybody's got a crazy if their family's not crazy, they got a crazy in their family. And if you don't think you got a crazy family, you might be the crazy one. It's the same thought here. You say, I don't, I don't have no struggle. I don't have a limp. I'm going to find me a pastor that don't have a limp. Well, if he tells you he don't have a struggle, if he tells you he's not having to be dependent on the grace of God and the mercy of God every day of his life, I'm telling you he's self-righteous and that is his limp. If you think today, I don't have no struggle. I got it all together. There is your limp today. But I'm telling you, all of us have a limp. You say, well, what's the point? If God saves us, why does he leave us a limp? I don't believe that. Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, turn to that scripture. 2 Corinthians, uh, where is it at? 12. This is Paul. Listen to what he says. He says, because of extraordinary revelations I've had, an encounter with Jesus, therefore so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh, was given to me. Now this is Paul, y'all. Y'all know who Paul is in the Bible? He wrote most of the New Covenant. And he said, I got a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan torments me so that I wouldn't think too much of myself. Concerning this, next verse, I pleaded with the Lord. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Paul said, I got down on my knees and I cried out to God and I said, Lord, deliver me from this thorn. Three times he prayed that it would leave him. But this is what God said to him. My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, man. Oh, hallelujah. He wasn't delivering from the thorn. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more about my weakness. What? So that Christ's power may reside in me. I want to stop right there and let's look at it all. Now here's Paul. Jacob had a limp. Paul had a thorn. Now notice it doesn't say what his thorn was because if it would have told you what his thorn was, we would have singled that out and everything else in our lives would have been okay. Right? But it was left vague because this thorn for you, what's a thorn for you is not a thorn for me. What's a thorn for me might not be a thorn for you, but we all have we all have these things in our lives. And listen, what if I told you God's not interested in delivering you from all of those things because he's more interested in developing you with those things? You know what my thorn does? Oh, thorns do keeps me on my knees. See, I thank God for the thorns in my life. I thank God that I can, I'm here today 
but I limped getting here today. But God still wanted to use a man who limped. He wants to use a man or a woman who's still got some thorns in their lives. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's how God wants to develop you. He said in those areas that you are, that you have a thorn, that there's thorns in your life. If you'll trust me, if you'll believe me, I'll make those areas of weakness your greater, greatest strength. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In the areas of my life that I am weak, I stay on my knees. I say, God, I'm, I can't do this. I hate this. And I've prayed, God, that you, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that you take this from me. I don't like it. And I've tried willpower. Did you know when you get saved, you don't get a stronger willpower? You get a Holy Ghost power. And this is how this power works. In the area that you're weak, don't try harder. Listen to what I'm going to say. Don't try to cover things up. Well, this is an area of my life. I, nobody know about it. Mm -mm. Paul said, I brag in my weakness. I boast. What does that mean? He's saying, Paul, who wrote most of the new covenant, is saying, God is using me in spite of me. He's saying, God loves me even when I'm not faithful to him. See, this ought to make you fall more in love with Jesus, y'all. That God is good to me even when I am not good to him. In those areas that you're weak, don't hide it, don't cover it up. Don't ever think as a Christian, oh, I got to pretend. Listen to me, listen to me. Don't pretend. Don't, don't pretend like, oh, I don't have any more issues now. I'm all good. And put on fake smiles and all this. No, don't, don't do it. I'm telling you right now, I don't want a culture of churchism where people just go to church and they act like everything's good. No, you know what I want? I want, a, I want this to be a place of grace. This will be a place of love. This will be a place of restoration. This will be a place of healing. But if we can't recognize that we're sick, if we don't recognize that we've got issues, if we don't recognize that we've got problems, that we need God's grace, then we'll try to fix it ourselves. Or you know what we'll do? Galatians chapter 5 says, We'll turn on each other and we'll bite and devour each other. Instead of saying, I got some thorns and I'm taking them to Jesus. I got, some, I, got some, I got a limp in my life, but I'm depending on God. Instead of doing that, we'll say, 
okay, I got this issue in my life, but I'm not as bad as Maria. Maria gets up here. She sits on the front row. Got her purse. Little cute purse. Look at this little purse, y'all. She's got. And a little sweat towel because she wants to be like pastor. She's always saying cute little things. Preach it, pastor. Say it like he's the only, like they're the only one in the, in the church. But I'm, I may have some problems, but I, at least I'm not like Maria. Because let me tell you what Maria, Maria, done. I don't know. But y'all know what she done. At least I'm not like her. See, that's the sound of somebody who doesn't understand the grace of God. I love you, but my relationship with Christ isn't based on you. I, my, I, I, I don't bring you up to me. And, and God's not comparing me and you. When God looks at me, he's looking to whether or not the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life or not. Jacob was marked with a limp. And you know what? God used Jacob. You know when they described the God of the old covenant? Y'all know how they described him? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God used Jacob in spite of his limp. And what I'm telling you today is you're trying to fix things and get things straight and get things right. Am I saying you don't need to repent? I, if you need to repent, you need to repent. That's part of being humble. That's part of allowing God to make your greatest weakness, your greatest strength, is saying, God, here it is. Understanding God's grace is saying, I can run to him, not away from him. Did you know, listen to this, that the Bible says he will never put us to shame? Isn't that good? That you don't have to run from the Father, you can run to the Father. That you can take to him all your struggles and all your mess and say, God, here it is. I'm trying to tote it. I'm trying to carry it and I can't. Listen to me right now. You're waiting to try to get things all straightened out before you can be used by God. And I'm telling you, you've been marked by God. And God wants to use you even if you've got to have a limp. Even if you've got to lead with a limp. Even if you've got to serve God with a limp. Even if you've got to serve God with a thorn. I'm telling you, God wants to use you. In fact, he can take your very weakness and make it your greatest strength through depending on him. And he'll take your weakness. He'll take that thing that you struggle with. And he'll use you to help minister to others with the same issues and the same problems. That's how God works. Do you believe me today? If we're waiting on God to use perfect people, perfect in behavior, then we're messed up. We'll never do anything for God. But God's 
Not looking for people who have perfect behavior. But for people who will say, God, if, if I got a limp, I'm going to do what you told me to do. Paul would go on to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So I'm up here today. Let me help you. I have nothing to brag about in myself. I have nothing, I cannot stand here and say, I have been faithful. I have been so faithful to God. But I can stand here without reservation and without any fear of contradiction. I can stand here and tell you today, though I have not always been faithful to God, God has always been faithful to me. It bothers me today. It bothers me every day. That there are people who are stepping out of this life as we know it and they're going to hell and they're going there every day. The Bible says hell enlarges itself daily. Does that bother anybody? And we've got a lot of people with the power and the message. But they feel inadequate. They feel like I can't do, only, only the preacher can do that. Only the preacher can tell somebody about Jesus or show somebody Jesus. Or I'm just going to pray for him and let him do that. No, hear me. God is calling us, us with a limp, us in the middle of brokenness to bring healing and reconciliation to others. And you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that with what I got going on in my life. Hear me. Hear me. This is how it works when they ask you, how did you do it? How did you do it? Don't you dare tell them. Well, see, I read my Bible three days, three times a day, and I fast two times a week, and I go to church seven times a week, and I, don't you tell them that. Shut up. Don't say that. If they ask you how you do it, you tell them by the grace of God, by the goodness of God, by the mercy of God. That's how I'm not, that's how I'm doing it. I'm not perfect. I got a temper. I say things I shouldn't say. I don't always act like the preacher. Holly ain't married to the preacher. She's married to Caleb. You want to know some things about me? Ask her. But you don't need to know things about me. What about you? See, I'm preaching this as a personal revelation that I have from God's word. You talk to Paul. 
Ask him how he done it. How'd you do this great missionary work? Starting these churches, ministering to the people of Corinth and the region of Galatia and all these other places. How you raised up sons in the, in the faith like Timothy. How'd you do it? Timothy will say, I done it with thorns. Paul will say, I done it with thorns. I done it depending upon the grace of God. You know, it doesn't matter, and I'm coming to a close. It doesn't matter what kind of degree you got. And don't, it doesn't matter what people think about you in this good old little town of Waycross. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All the education, all the money. To hell with all that stuff. Because you know why? Because it's either going to burn up or it's going to fall off. What will matter? The only thing that will matter is what you've done for God. You can build the biggest business that you can could ever dream of. But do you know that just like that, it'll be gone? You can connive and manipulate your way into great business deals. But there's coming a day when there'll be no dealing. All the deals will be done. You just I don't like when you get there. When you was talking about some of that other stuff, you was good, but now you done got you done got me upset. Well, I'd rather you be mad with me and hear the truth than to me tell you everything you want to hear and you find yourself in hell. I just can't deal with that. I just don't want that blood on my hands. So I'm just going to tell you the truth just for a minute. I'm going to just let you have it, okay? And I'm letting you have it because God let me have it, okay? So here it is. We can all have a piece of it, okay? I'm telling you this right now. There is no time to wait to make things right with God. And it has nothing to do with you earning it or working for it. Did you know the only way a man can get saved is by this same word I've been talking about, grace? The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith. Not of your works. It's a gift. Lest any man should boast. Galatians chapter 2 verse 8. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. If there's somebody saved in here, and I'm one of them, so there's at least one in here. If there's anybody saved in here too. If there's anybody saved in here, it's not because of what you've done. It's in spite of what you've done. Yeah. See, I love this. It's so sick. This is dirty. But you know what? 
I look in here and I see a picture of my life. This is a gift of God. That God would take me. If I could break salvation in the steps, you know what happens? First, God deals with you. And maybe today he's dealing with you. The Bible says no man can come to God unless he's drawn to him, unless God draw him. No man can come to Jesus unless the Father draws you. There's the first step. Tim, you remember when God, he was wrestling with us. You remember when that happened, when God was wrestling with you? He began to deal with you. You hear the gospel. He died for you and he rose again. It becomes, it becomes more than just a story. I mean, something on the inside is happening. And you make the decision. You, have, you see two options now. Either you're going to choose life, you're going to surrender and give your life to Christ, or you're just going to go on and act like nothing ever happened. The moment you say, God, I believe you're calling me. I believe, God, that you're wrestling with me right now. And the moment you believe that and you surrender to that and say, Lord, I believe you died for me and I believe you rose again for me. I believe you are the Son of God. I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord. The moment you do that, the moment that happens, the old you dies. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says you're crucified with Christ but nevertheless you live but it's not you who lives anymore. It's Christ Jesus who lives in you. So listen to this. You die but then in an instant in a moment all at one time God puts the spirit of his son Jesus into your dead corpse and you're raised out of this. You're raised out of the sin, out of your past, out of this grave. You are raised up into new life in Christ. And all your past is forgiven. All your sins are cleansed, washed under the blood. You are a brand new creation. What did you do? Nothing. Did you earn it? No. Do you deserve it? No. But God gave it to you as a gift. Musicians and singers come. Now I want to ask you something. Look, look at me real good. You may never come back here. That's a chance I'm willing to take. It's late. It's 12.30. But I want to ask you something right now. Look at me real good. Have you experienced this encounter with Jesus that I'm talking about? Is there a noticeable difference in your life? Have you been marked by God? Jacob left with a limp. 
Have you had an encounter with God? Have you experienced the grace of God? So now that you, you're living this life, you say, wow, I have met the perfection of God and I know I'm not perfect. I need Jesus every day. If you've not had that encounter where you want to live for Jesus and want to serve God, if you haven't had that, and I'm not talking about religion. I am not talking about, I'm not even talking about being baptized. This is something in the heart of a man. Listen, I remember, you remember the, the, the thief on the cross? He went up on the cross with Jesus, hating Jesus. Think about this. But while Jesus was on the cross, dealing with all that Jesus was dealing with, he cared enough for the thief who hated him to work in his life And the thief who hated Jesus before he drawed his last breath, before crucifixion had its final work, he looked over to Jesus, the crucified Christ, and said, This day, or will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? That's what he said. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, This day, you will be with me in paradise. He recognized Jesus to have a kingdom. You got to be a king. He recognized that Jesus wasn't just some other guy like him being crucified. He realized that he was the son of God, that he was the king of kings. And he said, listen, you ain't got to get baptized. You ain't what you just done will make you a candidate for heaven. If you believe me, aren't you glad that you're not hanging on a cross today? Aren't you glad that you've got breath in your body and you've got the opportunity to receive the Lord today? You better quit playing games thinking you're going to put it off. How do you know you've got time to put it off? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm reminded. I just seen pictures last of, on, uh, of my memories of my friend, Marla, who I'd done her funeral. Went to church here. Had a, uh, a child the same age as Abrielle. She come here when we first started this church. I, I in, introduced her to the Lord. Never thought I'd be doing her funeral. A man, Mark, you told me a couple weeks ago, coming to church Wednesday. He was invited and he was coming. Tuesday, I'm coming. Well, he didn't get here. Because Wednesday morning, in the wee hours of the morning, he overdosed and died in his car. What am I saying? I'm saying, say, when I get up here to preach, I told you I limp up here. When I get up here to preach, I always try to keep in my mind, if this was my last opportunity to preach, and it might be, it could be, I have no idea, you don't know, that I said 
what I was supposed to say. If I don't get another opportunity or another chance that you know how I felt, you know what God was saying through me. And I can leave here. I come burdened with truth. Every week I come burdened with truth. And my job and my, my goal is to deliver truth so I can be free for a little while. So what I'm saying here today is not just words. Some of you think I'm just a preacher. This is a job. You couldn't be more wrong. I am a beggar. I am a poor man. I am a man most miserable. If this is all there is, I ain't got nothing. But I know this ain't it. And I know this is not the end. I know there is another life and there is another way to live and it's not on my own and by myself. I'm not preaching denomination. I'm not preaching church affiliation right now. I'm preaching Jesus. Do you know him? And not only do you know him, Paul said, not, it's not enough to know him, but does he know you? In other words, do you have a relationship with him? Some of you know famous people. Oh, I know them, but they don't know you. There's a difference. There's no relationship there. It's not enough to know God, to know about God. To hear me talk about my personal relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? Have you been saved in a way that changes your life? Have you met Jesus? Have you been marked by him? Those who are listening online, do you know him? Watching online, do you know him? I want you to stand with me all across the building. You know what's the, what's the problem with putting salvation off? I, I don't know why you would put it off, but you do. We do. People do. Maybe you're at a state where you can handle things right now. But here's the problem with sin. And not making a decision to live for God. And not receiving His grace and love that you become more sinful. I, I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. I've met with too many people sit right across that hall there, right across that wall. That's my office there. And I have met with too many people on the other side of my desk 
sitting on a couch. I have met with too many who have been, well, they were playing while Satan was praying. Sin becomes more sinful. It destroys families. It kills homes. It's nothing to be taken lightly. And you can play church all you want to, friend. But I am personally sick of church. I'm sick of the game of church. I'm sick of going through the motions. I'm sick of powerless agendas. I'm preaching a relationship with God. Do I love being together with you? I love it. I love it. I love it. But I also love you and me being a powerful witness because we have a true relationship with God. People don't care what denomination you are. You think a beggar, a hungry man who's hungry and you got some food, you say, you think they care if it's wheat bread or light bread or white bread or pumpernickel? No. They just want bread. And that's what I'm offering. I got all I, all I got is all you need. I got some bread here. This is a table laid out before you right now. The Bible says man can't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. I got some heavenly bread. I've laid it out for you. It's on the table now. You can come and eat it if you want it. If you don't want to, it'll still be here. Your name will still be in this chair, one of these chairs around this table today. But he's offering, he's asking, would you come? Now, I don't know. I'll stand here. We'll see. I'm begging you. I'm asking you. I don't care if you're 77 today or you're 7 today or somewhere in between. If you don't know Jesus, I'm already here. You say, well, what will people think about me? They'll think you made the greatest decision of your life. What will they say? They'll celebrate you today. Church, if you don't know Jesus, I'll come out here. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to receive him, today is what? August the what? August the 15th, 2021. This can be the best day of your life. If you don't know Jesus today, would you come down to this altar? Would you step out? Come on.